I've worked with a few fitness centers over the years. Every single one of them love to run promotions offering discounted membership. While discounts may have increased their initial signups, a percentage of that membership didn't fully engage or commit to their fitness goals. Welcome to You Are Buzzworthy. With the holiday season here, everyone is talking about offering discounts for their products or their services. And I'm not an expert on the economics of discounting products, but I have been marketing services for a few decades now, and I can emphatically state that discounting your services does more harm than good. Don't believe me? Let me show you why. Welcome to You Are Buzzworthy. Today, we are going to be talking about discounting right? And, and then really, I'm going to be talking about the importance of your pricing strategies in your service-based businesses. And then, we're going, and, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the discounting process and why they might not be as beneficial as they seem. So let's talk about the illusions of attracting more customers through discounts, okay? So discounts are often used to attract customers. I mean, really that's the only reason I can think you would give a discount is to either attract new customers or get your current customers to buy more. Now in the service industry, if you're providing a service and you're doing well with those clients, discounts don't seem to make a lot of sense, right? So if you're a business that's doing well, and you are now looking to get more clients, maybe you're looking at discounts to attract those clients. Um, but it's an illusion because, yeah, you might get more business, but that business doesn't lead to long-term growth. And we're going to discuss a little bit about that, right? Here, let me give you a couple of examples right now, okay? Gyms and like fitness centers, they'll discount their memberships. And I've worked with a few fitness centers over the years. Every single one of them love to run promotions offering discounted membership. While discounts may have increased their initial signups, a percentage of that membership didn't fully engage or commit to their fitness goals, which resulted in them dropping the membership in short order. And those people who are spending less to be there you have more people who are coming, you're making less per person, and you're still getting more wear and tear on your equipment. That added, um, that added traffic to the gym is actually upsetting loyal customers. And people who don't pay as much don't respect the place that they're spending their money as much as well. Um, there's a lot of studies out there. You can look at that. You can look that up on your own. But upsetting those loyal customers is just pushing full priced paying customers out the door because you're creating a more congested uh, arena with people who are not like-minded as they are because the only reason those people are there is because they got a reduced price. And all of that means that you have people leaving out the door, you have more wear and tear on your, your, your uh, equipment, and you're doing it at a reduced revenue 
per member. Another example is subscription-based services who offer frequent promotions, right? Um, they provide discounts for free trial periods to attract new subscribers, right? Well, while this strategy can increase subscriber numbers temporarily, it can lead to lower revenue in the long run especially if the discount is evergreen. And if the offer isn't evergreen, customers are more likely to cancel their subscriptions immediately after their discount expires. So you're giving away your service, right? And you still have that cost of acquisition. So if you're doing it at a discounted rate to get them into the door, you still have that cost of acquisitions. And if they don't stick around, they might not pay for that cost of acquisition. Then you have your cost of onboarding. Now, if you're a SaaS uh, company, maybe that's not a big deal to you, but everybody pays something to bring somebody on board, whether it be support, whether it be space on your hard drives, bandwidth on your, uh, on your service, that whole nine yards, right? And what about the opportunity costs of those short-lived non-buying people? Because come on, if, they, if they're paying zero to maybe half what they would normally be paying you, right? What about, what if you took the cost of acquisition, the cost of onboarding and put that into people who would are willing to pay full? Now, I'm not saying that if you have a SaaS, you shouldn't have a uh, introductory, maybe a free trial, but make the free trial just enough for, so that they can sniff around and play with it a little bit and then decide whether they're going to stay or leave. Okay. You don't need 30 days trials. Like for my SAS, I think I do seven days, 14 days tops. If I think there's going to be an onboarding process. Now we take that into consideration with our uh, cost of acquisition. So if it costs us say $10 to get somebody to sign up for a 14 day trial, we're also going to invest in that 14 days of onboarding them properly to get them indoctrinated into the platform. So to make sure they see all the idiosyncrasies before they make that final decision, whether they're going to stay or lose. Okay. Now, we average that over all of the people who sign up and we take a look at that and we take, and that becomes our cost per acquisition. Okay. If you have that type of strategy, that's okay. But if you're going in there and saying, Hey, listen, normally it's $99, but if you sign up today for $49 for life, guess what? You now have sunk your profits by half for the rest of that client's lifetime value. So you've cut that lifetime value in half. Not a good strategy as far as I'm concerned, okay? Now, let's move on to consulting firms, okay? From personal experience, when I first started my marketing consulting firm, I tried offering discounted rates to win new clients or secure contracts sometimes, okay? I'm, I'm here to tell you, though, that discounting rarely, if ever, worked in my favor. I believe there are three main reasons consulting firms or any professional service provider should avoid discounting altogether. The first is discounting price means you must discount the service provided. If you're a service, you have to pay people to do the service. Okay. Your employees don't give you a discount when you give your clients a discount, do they? Do you pay your people less when your clients pay less? No. I, I, if, if you do, please comment on this show. Let Teach me how you're doing that and keeping your employees happy. I, I don't see a way into that, right? And so that means that you're actually cutting into your own 
profits immediately. And if you're giving that discount evergreen, you're doing even worse because that means that client is never going to be profitable. And if you do somehow keep hold of your profits, that means you're discounting the service providing, meaning that you're not doing 100% of that service. You're cutting corners. That's no good, right? Another reason is price-sensitive clients expect more. So not only are you bringing less money in for that client and most likely not as much profit or as not of good service to that client who is expecting more. So now you have this dichotomy working against each other. And when they expect more and you're trying to keep them, guess what? You're losing even more money. The third issue is that bargain hunters are high maintenance always wanting something for nothing okay don't do business if you if you truly are giving a uh, service that serves people well and you need the resources of your full price to give that service at its 100% value then you will never discount and if you're looking at bargain hunters, let the bargain hunter know the bargain is that your what your outcome is going to cost you less to pay your higher price than you going and hunting around for bargains and having the losing proposition on discounted services because nobody has a magic bullet that's going to be able to do it as good as you for less than you right? If you're a premium service, then you need to make sure that you're giving premium service at a premium rate, right? If they're looking for half-ass, then let them go pay half price. But if they want it full and they want it right the first time and on time, then they got to pay that premium, your premium, whatever that is, okay? The next one I want to talk about is perceived value and the, and the impact of brand image. I personally think that Biggest, the biggest damage from discounting is to your brand image. The simple truth is that when you offer your services at a bargain, even if it's 10% below your normal rates, you are degrading the value of your brand. It's plain psychology. When you get something cheap, your brain perceives it as cheap. The perception of cheap creates three issues I experienced with my own company in its early years. Number one, things that suffer, the first number one thing that suffers is respect. If you don't respect yourself enough to charge what you're worth, why would they respect you for what you're worth? Okay. And once you've given a discount, they always want more discounts right? If somebody comes in and negotiates a discount off that you weren't offering in the first place and you cave, that means that you will always cave and they will always ask. And the more they try to do with you, the more discounts are going to look for you from you. Meaning that the more business you do with them, the less profitable that relationship becomes to a point where at some point you're just going to fire them. Why go through all of that, right? And then the last piece is that it's very hard to raise your prices. Some people go in and say, well, I'll give them this price this year and then next year I'll raise it. But remember, our bargain hunters are high maintenance. They're never happy. They're never happy enough to where you're going to easily come back and say, hey, by the way, I need to charge what I'm actually worth. 
They're thinking what you're worth is what they've been paying. Why would they pay more for the same? Meaning that if you want to raise your prices, you have to increase the value you bring to that situation. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a little bit. Okay. But right now, my discounted price strategy puts me in what is called a discounting cascade. I started with offering discounts to attract clients. My clients and those they shared their experience with came expecting a discounted pricing. Then I tried to compete with online discounted self-service offerings, bringing my prices and eroding my profit margins even further. And with my prices at a bottom of the barrel bargain, I was forced to cut corners, hire inexperienced staff, and accept less than awesome results. By the, by the time I realized that I had what I had done, I couldn't reverse the damage to my reputation as the Costco of marketing firms in my area. Unable to raise my prices significantly for various reasons, I was forced to accept lower profit margins in order to hire better people and stop cutting corners. Over a period of three years, I was able to change my brand's reputation, but the lack of profit margins impacted the long-term viability of my company. I was forced to make a huge strategic shift in 2018 that eventually led to closing the doors to the brick and mortar version of my firm. So now you're probably asking, Buzz, what was your strategic shift? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> when I reopened my firm in 2019, I was a fully remote company. I doubled down on quality and results. Initially, I made the decision to let go of over 90% of my current, then current clientele. I believe that if I had a company wasn't willing to pay the price it took to do marketing right, I was no longer interested in having them as a client. So when I raised my prices about 300%, I found out that over 270 of my current clients either didn't respect me or my process, or they weren't willing to pay for the best results. Once I filtered my client roster to those who got it, it was time to recruit more like them. I did this in a few ways. First, I built on my authority. I started to speak more. I started to own what I knew. I started to own the over 20, well, shoot, 30 years at the time of experience I had in marketing. I started to shush the imposter syndrome that was in my brain, echoing in my skull, right? I started to do guest speaking on uh, podcasts. I wrote a book. I did all the things to show people that I knew what I was talking about, okay? And then within my company, I started creating value-added services, bonuses to what we had previously offered at a much less price. That way, the people who had seen me before are not just seeing, oh, well, he just raises prices. Why are you raising your prices now, right? You have to, when you're raising your prices, you always have to add some type of value. Now, does that mean we worked harder? No. It meant we made harsher promises, right? Sometimes value add is not about more stuff or even more perceived bonuses. It's about better results right? It's about uh, more um, stringent 
guarantees, if you will, we don't believe in, in guarantees in marketing, but there's being more transparent with what to expect. When we created that value, which is a huge value, so many people who are willing to, marketers specifically, are willing to tell people anything they want to get that client rather than just tell them the truth. The truth is more valuable than you getting them on a client and trying to figure it out later and finding out that you can't do what you thought you could do. Okay, so creating that added value was a huge uh, difference for us. And then I heightened the client experience. I made sure that when they were paying a premium, that they were feeling that premium. Remember, people perceive what they pay for, but you then have to back that up with feeding that perception of high value, of excellence, right? Of experience, of the results that you were talking about. Even if you're downplaying the results, you have to then give them that experience through the hard times so that you can celebrate with them in the good times. In my book, The Rule of 26, I talk about other ways to bill what you're worth. My two favorites that lend to avoiding discounts are bundling products and creating exclusivity. I encourage you to read all of the options I cover in the Increasing Revenue Per Client chapter. If you don't already have a copy, you can get a free copy at ruleof26.com. Go check it out. By now, I hope you are convinced that discounting is bad and there are plenty of other strategies you can use to attract your new clients. From here on out, I want you to promise yourself to bill what you're worth. There should be no reason to move forward from here and accept anything less. You, your employees, and your company all deserve nothing less than what you are worth. If you ever start to waver on the fact that discounting your service is bad, come back and listen to this episode again. In the meantime, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the show. And as always, stay buzzworthy.